Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you are tuned into RepublicBroadcasting.org for tonight's edition of the broadcast. And, of course, tonight is Friday night, so thank you for tuning in for tonight's edition of Corbett Report Radio. And since it is Friday night, of course, we will be doing our Friday night highlight routine, dipping into the CorbettReport.com archives for some of my past work on a particular issue. And tonight I'm going to pick up from where I started last night's uh, transmission, waxing a bit poetic on the changing of the seasons here in Japan and the nice clement weather bringing to mind all sorts of positive thoughts about uh, where we are and where society is heading. And it's uh, difficult to capture that essence of those thoughts in a mere radio broadcast like this. I think you have to be here experiencing the changing of the seasons, but I'm sure wherever you are in the world right now, you might be going through a bit of that yourself. But it certainly does give us pause to think about the bigger picture of what's really going on and what's really important in our lives and once again, as I was saying on the broadcast last night, we are here documenting some pretty horrific things on a daily basis here as the news continues to spin just more and more out of control and the world seems to get crazier and crazier in all sorts of tyrannical ways. But that shouldn't make us lose sight of what it is we're fighting for, why we're fighting and the fact that we are in a fight because we are going to win this fight, we are actually going to win. And that's something that sometimes people have a lot of difficulty accepting. I see a lot of skepticism and pessimism among people who are spreading this type of information that the world will ever change. People think we are locked into some sort of new world order tyrannical system and that there's nothing we can do to change it. I think that is defeatism, that is pessimism, and if I truly believed something like that, I wouldn't be here doing this type of broadcast day in and day out. I wouldn't be able to even look at this information. I would just be enjoying my hamburgers and sports on TV and and numbing myself into a stupor trying to forget all of the cares of the world, as unfortunately I think we all know people who are like that. So what I'm attempting to do with this broadcast is the exact opposite. I'm trying to light that fire in the mind that will create that revolution, the internal revolution, the revolution of the mind that is the only one that matters and that will affect the change we want to see in this world because there are changes that we do want to see happen in this world because we do care about this world. And again, I don't want to lose sight of that. I don't want to lose sight of the positivity that's out there in so many ways. So tonight we're going to be looking at some of the positive aspects, some good signs of things that are coming along that, uh, that show that we are not powerless as individuals and that we are having an effect and that society is going through an incredible transformation right now. And uh, one that ultimately I have hope, I have faith, it will be for the better. And uh, if you don't believe that, well, you don't have to believe that, but I don't understand why you would be even committed to finding out and informing yourself about the situation if you truly believe that all hope was lost. So on one positive note that I'd like to point people's attention to, uh, the post has just gone up at BoilingFrogsPost.com. The book The Government Doesn't Want You to Read is a book everyone must read. Sibel Edmonds, the most classified woman in U.S. history. She's been gagged. She's had her testimony in Congress stricken from the record and classified. Uh, details about her birth and what languages she speaks and all of these things have been classified in a ridiculous attempt to cover up what she knows 
Well, as it turns out, she's written her memoir. It's called Classified Woman. It is now available for pre-ordered. And I'm reading a pre-publication copy right now because I am honored enough to be associated with Sibelle Edmonds and her work. Let me tell you, it is incredible stuff. So, uh, so absolutely, this is, in- this is such an important thing. I'm so glad that Sibelle is ungagged to the extent that she can write a book like this. And I certainly hope that people will check into it and, uh, and hopefully support Boiling Frogs by taking a look at a copy of that book. But on that note, we will come back and we will continue breaking down positive signs that we are winning tonight on Corbett Report Radio. dipping into the CorporateReport.com archives for work demonstrating the fact that uh, we are winning this battle against the forces of darkness and tyranny, and that we can win and that we can affect change. And I have been thinking along these lines for the last few days, and it was interesting that uh, just yesterday, as I was doing an interview for another program, it was pointed out to me that I am an optimist. And uh, I guess, ultimately, I am. I do believe that we are going to uh, affect change, and we are going to change the world, and it is going to be a positive effect. So let's listen to a bit of that interview. I was uh, being interviewed for a podcast called Skeptico, and uh, people may or may not be familiar with that. It's at skeptico.com. That's S-K-E-P-T-I-K-O.com. And it is a podcast uh, looking at science that tends to question the uh, the scientific establishment and uh, what the scientific establishment is claiming. And it uh, it comes at it from the perspective of, well, if we just follow the data, where will that lead us? As opposed to, well, we must pursue the uh, the scientific orthodoxy, so to speak. So they get into all sorts of very controversial subjects and things that are well above my pay grade, including accounts of near-death experiences and things of that sort, and looking at some of the scientific research going on around that. A very interesting subject, but one of which I know very little about and wouldn't claim to pronounce on. But uh, but in this podcast, uh, they've been looking, of course, at the so-called skeptical community of, you know, the skeptics of uh, Michael Shermer and the people of that ilk who claim to be skeptics, but of course are always and only there to back up the status quo on every issue, including, of course, quote-unquote conspiracy theories, like there might be something that the government is lying to us about regarding 9-11. No, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist, according to the skeptics the so-called self-proclaimed skeptics. So uh, I think resonating with one of my recent podcasts on this topic, Skeptico got in touch with me for an interview for their podcast. And uh, and so I was being interviewed on uh, the Skeptico podcast yesterday. It will be coming out in a few weeks at Skeptico.com. And we were talking uh, about the idea of paradigm shifts, the, uh, the change in consciousness in society, uh, how this is being affected. And I was getting into uh, some of the, the ways that the Internet has been really affecting the revolution and really changing people's minds, changing society in fundamental ways. So um, so let's take a listen to this. I think it's an interesting bit of this interview. Again, it'll be coming out on Skeptico.com in a few weeks, and we'll pick it up where we start talking a little bit about the, the death of Osama bin Laden and that entire narrative and some of the skepticality about that. 
that is something that is so in your face. I mean, it's it's black and white that that there were various aspects of the Osama bin Laden raid myth that were demonstrable lies uh, that were coming out in the in the hours uh, uh, after that raid. And so, for example, I mean, it occurred on the 1st of May 2011, and immediately there was a narrative created that was bolstered in no small uh, part by the image of, uh, of uh, Obama and, uh, and Clinton and others in the, in the White House uh, uh, taking a look at the so presumably the live video footage of the raid itself. But uh, that was contradicted, for example, just three days later on the 4th of May by uh, the fact that there was, in fact, a, a blackout during the, the time of the raid. So there was no visual footage. The, the, that iconic image of them sitting in the White House Situation Room looking at the, the video feed is, in fact, not them looking at a video feed at all. Who knows what it's actually a picture of? But uh, but that came out a few days later. Um, uh, the uh, The initial... Uh, indication was that Osama had uh, fought back, that there was some sort of running gunfight, but uh, as it turns out, there really was no gunfight at all. Um, there, there was the in- initial indication that he was using his wife as a human shield, etc., but the, eventually they had to admit that didn't happen. Um, there was the, the entire saga of the, the helicopter crash, etc. So there are all sorts of things related to that story that we, we know that the, the initial reports that were coming out were, in fact, demonstrably untrue. But it was interesting for me to watch how people, even people who I, whose opinions I respect and who I think are, are genu- generally quite cautious about the way that they approach these types of situations and this information, just sort of immediately took it on faith. Okay, this is it. This is a raid. They got Osama. And, uh, and my, my initial reaction is uh, the way that I try to be with most events is, okay, well, that's interesting. Let's see the, let's see the data. Let's see what happened. Let's see the, the evidence. And when uh, when the evidence uh, started to not emerge, and it, it turned out, for example, of course, they dumped his body at sea immediately, and they'll never release the photographs. I mean, to anyone who's watching that with a skeptical eye, I think they understand, well, we have to reserve judgment until there's something more than that. I mean, if, if politicians can come out and say whatever, X, Y, Z, and we'll just take it as an article of faith, then I think... That's a sign of a very, very unhealthy democracy, isn't it? Because well, well, in this case, James, we even had more data, if you will, than that. I mean, this is one of those cases where the the worldwide media through the World Wide Web really kicked in. I remember watching interviews with feet on the street right there with the neighbors in uh, Pakistan who can it, it, well, no, it was in Afghanistan, right? No, it was in Pakistan. Neighbors in Pakistan who said, hey, I own the house next to it, so I immediately ran down there to see what was happening. And another guy was on his rooftop, saw the helicopters. Other people knew the the person who was in the house. So, you know, we actually saw, I saw, and I'm sure you did too, these interviews with people who live there and directly contradicted the story that we're being peddled. And, and that didn't seem to penetrate. And it certainly wasn't uh, at, at all covered, again, by the mainstream media in any way. So, again, back to this question, it, what does that say about this idea that, you know, the little soldiers, the long tail alternative media on the Internet is going to change things? Well, you, we sure didn't change things on that. And that was a real whopper. Well, but then how do you know about that information? Because you saw it on the Internet? How do I know about what information? The, uh, the, the interviews with the people on the street. 
Right. I saw it on the Internet. Well, that's exactly the point. I mean, the point is that we're not going to see this reflected in the in the mainstream media. The point is that we're going to encounter this information on a more personal level. And the problem with that is that there's no real rubric. There's no way for us to measure or calculate that effect because it's happening on a personal level with people personally accessing this information. If it was the type of thing that was being portrayed in the mainstream media, we could say, oh, it's it's on the front page of the New York Times, you know, X million number of people have read this, and it's sort of part of the cultural record, so to speak. But because this is something that is so diversified and so individual, and that there's really no, no good measure for getting a handle on how many people are accessing this information, how many people saw this, how many people know that piece of information, it, it works in the way that people tend to become compartmentalized in their own minds, uh, insofar as no one knows anymore. We don't have that cultural uh, background that, that people even thir- 20, 30 years ago would have. If, if something was on you know, a mainstream network, you could be safe to assume that, that half of the people you talk to would probably know about it. I mean, it would be water cooler talk. We're reaching an age where it's become so diversified, the media has become so diversified through the diversification possible by the Internet that we don't have that, that cultural context that you can be assured that everyone will know X, Y, or Z. Or it's becoming that, that realm of the, the shared cultural knowledge is dwindling. But again, I see that as actually a, a progress. I, th- I think that is actually something that's helping to, to, uh, to free minds from that cultural paradigm. And also, I mean, I, th- I think that indicates that there is much more of an awakening, if you want to use that word, happening than, than the, uh, f- uh, well, will ever be portrayed in the mainstream media, obviously. But it's things like that, that you encountered that information of those interviews through the Internet. I'm talking to you from my home in Japan, uh, wherever you are, and broadcasting to wherever the people who are listening to this are through the Internet. I mean, I really do think that this is a fundamental paradigm shift in the way that society communicates, the way we receive information, and the type of information that we receive. And I go back to it time and again. I really think this is the Gutenberg printing press revolution of our age. And the Gutenberg press, I mean, it took a century or so, but I mean, it, it eventually led to the, the Reformation and some massive, massive changes in European society and eventually, of course, over the globe. And I think we are just beginning to see what the Internet is beginning to do to human consciousness. And I, I really do expect that it will have as monumental an effect as the printing press did. So you're optimistic. That's great. I, yeah, I would have to say I am optimistic. I, I think there will inevitably be a reaction. And, um, and, and also, I mean, just because there's a new form, a new media, a new way of disseminating information doesn't mean it can't be co-opted. I think uh, the printing press was great because it opened up literacy to the masses, and suddenly people could have direct access to these texts, including, of course, the Gutenberg Bible and all of this, that they would never have had direct access to. They had to encounter it through through their, uh, the, the clergy, and, and basically they just they didn't even understand what was happening because the masses were in Latin and all of that. So the Vulgate Bible uh, changed people's consciousness, etc., etc. So I, it was a, a, a wonderful, profound thing. But, of course, immediately, what does that lead to? It just leads to the development of new forms of propaganda and new ways of trying to control that new medium and, and basically control what people see in that. So I have no doubt there will be reaction in in against what's happening right now on the Internet. And, uh, and it will not be a straightforward trajectory. It won't be a simple narrative of people in, inevitably uh, just uh, breaking down all the dams that have been put in place for centuries. I think there will still be a lot of fight back. But 
at the end of the day, I, I am hopeful that people are reasonable, they are rational. When they encounter overwhelming amounts of data, no matter how much baggage they're bringing with it, eventually that, that absolute windfall, that waterfall of information will wash over them and will change the way that they, th they see the world. So I, I think I do have to be optimistic on that point, because otherwise I probably wouldn't be doing this at all. Well, that's it in a nutshell, friends. Why are we here at all if we don't think we're going to win this and that uh, if we don't understand that time after time after time throughout history, tyrants do fall, the people do take back power, and uh, we have progressed an awful lot since the days of kings and queens. And although it's certainly an uphill battle and it's not going to be an easy one by any means, we are still in charge of our own destiny, and that's the message. We are in control, so we are winning. On that note, let's take a short break. We'll be right back here on Corporate Report Radio. Tonight we are going through CorbettReport.com for examples of the fact that we are winning this battle against tyranny and that we will win in the end as long as we do not give up. And again, this is not to be Pollyanna about the situation or go into it naively. I think it is, uh, it is certainly going to be difficult, but I think we have to believe that we do have a chance of winning and uh, that these, these forces that we're up against are not all powerful, mythical beings descended from from hell or ascended from hell in order to uh, to keep us enslaved forever i mean there are ways that uh, that these people who claim to be running the world are just fallible humans and they do make mistakes and they are not uh, impervious to all attack despite their pr to the to the contrary and that's why so much of their pr is to further and encourage the idea that they are an all-controlling all-seeing all-powerful mystical secret society brethren who are absolutely impervious of course they're not and we are going to win this thing so on that note let's look at some more examples and we will turn to an article i wrote back in january of 2010 in the wake of the climate gate scandal which i think was one of the one of the big wins of recent years where the entire climate uh, agenda was really derailed uh, completely by the climate gate scandal and uh, despite the fact that the discussion has certainly moved on to other matters by now i think climate gate was a big part of waking up a lot of people to what's really going on and on that note i held a contest in uh, late 2009 early 2010 for listeners of the Corbett Report podcast to uh, find creative ways to help spread the word about ClimateGate. And, uh, and there was actually a prize associated with that, a signed copy of my forthcoming book, Reportage, which is not quite ready for publication yet. So <laughs> I, <laughs> let me apologize wholeheartedly to the people who actually won this contest and are still waiting for their prize. I guarantee them once I get this book done, it will be in the mail. <laughs> At any rate, uh, we uh, wrote an article called Arrest the Climatologist Contest Entries, highlighting the work of some of the listeners who did some incredible work raising awareness and, and spreading the word about ClimateGate. Uh, winning entries, there were three winning entries, one for uh, a, an individual who sent a Gravatar in that uh, people could use to help spread the word about ClimateGate online, Gravatar that you could use as your online persona when you're uh, leaving comments on blogs, etc., 
there was another winning entry of uh, someone who was using his own radio show on uh, FM radio in BC to talk about uh, climate change with Dr. Tim Ball. And there was another from our, uh, our old friend and previous uh, guest on the po- uh, podcast and broadcast, Denis Rancourt in Ottawa, who uh, has used it, used his own radio program uh, to spread the word about climate gate. He also called into uh, French-Canadian uh, uh, radio to talk about uh, climate gate and bring that to the awareness of the listeners. So some great work there. Of course, lots of honorable mentions from all sorts of people around the world, um, people in Sweden creating images about climate gate, someone in Argentina, um, keeping up a blog with climate gate developments. Um, there was someone who sent in a poem called RIP Global Warming. Uh, it's extremely uh, interesting and funny. Uh, I, I suggest you go and read this article so you can get that. Uh, also, people writing articles in Spanish and uh, letters to the editors in the Dallas Morning News and Facebook uh, pages and all sorts of things that people created in the wake of climate gate to help spread the word. And of course the Corbett report, even at that, at that time was just a, a ripple in a much bigger pond, I guess, uh, of the alternative media and, uh, and, but still, I mean, I'm just hats off to all the people who participated in that and who at that time were doing their level best to get the word out about that. And once again, I think it was demonstrable that the climate gate expose did have a huge, huge effect. Obviously the immediate effect of derailing the, the Copenhagen talks and the, the, the very real talks of instituting some sort of formal institutional world governmental structure to help deal with this scourge of life-giving CO2 gas. But also, uh, I mean, the ripples from that event continued on into the future and into our current uh, times where, of course, as I say, the debate has moved on, but still more and more people are now skeptical about the entire climate scientists who we are supposed to lay down and uh, venerate and uh, give our lives over to, basically, in the name of this alarmism that they've been pushing for far too long. So, once again, ClimateGate, another great example of how people truly can have an effect. In that case, it was kind of this gift-wrapped package that landed in our laps that we could uh, then use to to basically get people to, to take a look at what's going on and to question what we're being told by these scientists. Of course, that gift-wrapped package being the uh, the documents that were leaked out from inside the University of East Anglia. And I do say leaked out as opposed to hacked as the uh, the global warming alarmists like to say it, because uh, it turns out, uh, according to one of the latest updates I've seen, the, uh, the the police force that was investigating the so-called hacking of the UEA's servers has apparently stopped all investigation, and that's uh, that's not confirmed by an official spokesman, but uh, the I guess the the access to the the fund funding for the uh, different investigations shows that no money has been spent on this investigation in the past year, meaning pretty much that it's a cold case. So that means they did not find any uh, any indication that there was people hacking into the University of East Anglia servers. Again, if all of this sounds like I'm speaking in a foreign language or something because you don't know the backstory to ClimateGate. I would just say that to uh, go to CorbettReport.com and type Climate Gate into the search bar on the top right corner of the page there, and you'll find all of my previous work on this extremely important subject. But once again, we can have an effect, we do have an effect, we are spreading the word, and we are changing minds, and that is having real effects in the real world, and we can't lose sight of that. On that note, we'll take another short break, and we'll be back with more signs that we are winning right after this. Yeah. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and tonight we're taking a look at the ways that we are winning this battle against tyranny and all the forces of darkness that are arrayed against us. And I think people who are listening to this uh, broadcast and other alternative media on a daily basis know exactly what I'm talking about when I frame things in that way. All of the crazy, absolutely unbelievable things that are happening in our day and age to show that there is a technocratic enslavement grid being slotted into place and that uh, we must resist it. And once again, resistance is the most important thing. And uh, just throwing our hands up and saying there's nothing that can be done is certainly not going to be productive and is not going to be fruitful. So that's why I'm here doing what I'm doing, and that's, I assume, why you're here tuned in to the alternative media and looking for alternative ways to uh, to not only understand the world, but really ultimately to live our lives and to find ways of living our lives that will be productive as opposed to destructive, which is unfortunately the type of system we've been put into. On that note, back in 2009, I created an episode of my podcast for the 100th episode of my podcast. I did a special 100 Signs We Are Winning, in which I did exactly as it said on the bottle. I said I took 100 different reasons that to believe that uh, that we are winning, that we are having an effect, that we are really doing something meaningful and affecting change in this world uh, through all of the different things that we're doing to spread awareness and information. So I, uh, I went through the 100 signs. We're going to take a listen to just a, a section of that podcast. But of course, once again, if you're interested in the entire podcast, you can go to CorbettReport.com and download it in its entirety. And all show notes are at CorbettReport.com slash radio. So along those lines, let's look at some more signs that we're winning, and let's enter a little section that I'll call the polls section, showing and demonstrating that we are having an effect in the info war in changing people's minds and informing them and using that information to create mass movements. Some of the incredibly exciting signs that are coming out of these polls include uh, this one from globalresearch.ca, August 18, 2009. British nurses refuse to have the swine flu vaccination. A third of nurses will refuse to have the swine flu jab. We have this one from globalresearch.ca, August 25th, 2009. United Kingdom, half of GPs refuse swine flu vaccine over testing fears. The polls also show the complete dismantling of the phony left-right political paradigm which has propped up the New World Order system for so many decades, so many generations, causing so much harm, but that is finally being completely destroyed in the eyes of the vast majority of the public, one sign of which is September 2nd, 2009, poll from the Harris poll at Harris Interactive, which showed that Congress now has a 22% approval rating. But, of course, we'll remember from the real news section of the podcast uh, earlier this month, sign number six that we are winning from MediaMonarchy.com, 
42% say that replacing Congress with random people from the phone book would be an improvement. And there's a follow-up video update related to that, also on MediaMonarchy.com. Sign number seven that we are winning. 57% would like to replace entire Congress. Related to that is the precipitous decline of the puppet-in-chief, Barack Hussein Obama, who, of course, has plummeted from a very strong presidential approval rating to, in only eight months, already having a negative nine presidential approval index. And to put that into perspective, that is the third fastest drop in modern presidential history in presidential approval ratings. People are seeing through the puppet. The ninth sign that we're winning, 74% of Americans know that Lee Harvey Oswald did not act alone in killing JFK. Sign number 10, a scientific poll from New York Times CBS News from 2006 confirms that 84% of the American public do not buy the official 9-11 story. Sign number 11 comes from the eve of the 7th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks in 2008 when a worldwide poll showed that the majority of respondents in 17 countries believed that Al-Qaeda was not behind the 9-11 attacks. More signs that this awakening is by no means an exclusively American phenomenon. We have, of course, BBC News from 2005 indicating 55% of French rejected the EU Constitution Treaty. And sign number 13, 61.6% of the Dutch electorate did the same that same year. And, of course, last year, 2008, 53.4% of the Irish electorate resoundingly rejected the Lisbon Treaty. And, of course, we'll be keeping our eye on the Lisbon Treaty vote again next week when the Irish will once again reject the Lisbon Treaty. The 15th sign that we are winning is along the same lines, although this time not a poll, but an actual physical demonstration. And that came two weeks ago as over one million people marched on Washington to protest the current political puppets. And, of course, a large contingent of that crowd was hoping for an audit of the Fed. Along those lines, let's turn to sign 16 that we are winning from a recent conversation that we had with our regular guest and noted financial commentator, Bob Chapman. Well, let me bring up one of my favorite lines from this uh, Wednesday's edition of the newsletter. You wrote, uh, quote, Not only will the Federal Reserve Transparency Act, H.R. 1207, pass the House, but also it will pass the Senate because you are going to write every senator demanding that they pass it. I love that line. I think it's great because it sums up the incredible groundswell of awareness of the Federal Reserve System and also the way that it can be defeated. So I, I take it that your idea is not that the average person listening out there is just helpless in the face of these world events. 
No, they're not. They still have that avenue open. Whether it'll work or not remains to be seen. And that is go to the House of Representatives and the Senate and express yourself. They did that with the House, H.R. 1207, which is the bill to uh, in, in, uh, investigate the uh, Federal Reserve, uh, is going to be brought out onto the floor. Uh, what amendments will be uh, attached to it, I don't know, uh, but it will be passed. And so it's time to go to the Senate and tell the Senate, look, uh, we want this thing passed. And if enough people do that, the Senators are going to say, well, gee, I want to get reelected. I, I better uh, vote for this thing. Uh, there's 23 sponsors in the Senate, and of course they, uh, they need more than 50 uh, to pass it. Uh, but that's positive. The, the avenue is still open. The question is, will it work? And if it works, we got a real good shot at turning this thing around. If it doesn't work, uh, we got some serious problems. Well, that's true, but also it's almost like uh, Ron Paul's presidential campaign itself. Um, it, it failed in the sense that he didn't become president, but it was an outstanding success insofar as it injected real issues into the campaign and demonstrated that Ron Paul and, and the people that he was associated with were, had a deeper understanding of the economy and its underlying, I guess, precarious nature, much deeper than, than either McCain or Obama were ever able to demonstrate. And I think that only helped to add to the credibility. And I think in the same way, even if H.R. 1207 doesn't pass, it, if it gets defeated, I think that will also help to expose the real agenda. And I think it will lead to a reaction. The public will be furious as to why the Federal Reserve can't be audited. Well, I hadn't thought about that flip side of that, and you may very well be right, so we may be winners either way. I, I hope you're right, uh, because the uh, the consequences are, are terrible to contemplate. And, uh, you know, uh, we have a good system. It's just that it hasn't been working for us, and maybe we can make it work. And so uh, it's not hope springing eternal. It's using the tools that we've got to make something happen. On a related note, sign number 17 that we are winning comes from listener Micah Sychek. And I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name right wrong, but uh, he wrote in a message via the contact form at CorbettReport.com, quote, Ron Paul's presidential campaign gave him more publicity begrudgingly in many cases, which also shows how frightened the political establishment is about his dangerous, harebrained schemes like a sane monetary policy based on sound money and a foreign policy that doesn't include wars of absolute choice. Ron Paul's audit the Fed bill is a win by itself, even if it is not passed. More and more people are awakening every day to how our money is created. One last sign we are winning, sign number 18, is the sad state of corporate media, and especially newspapers. Luckily, now independent and alternative thinkers have a breadth of information and media produced to consume that is not corporate-funded, filtered, or falsified. Thanks for assisting in freeing humans from controlled paradigms of propaganda. End quote. Well, thank you for your excellent and insightful comments, Micah. And absolutely, the audit the Fed bill is one of the incredible signs that we are winning. And uh, let's turn to audittheFed.com for sign number 19 that we are winning. 
AuditTheFed.com now indicating that H.R. 1207, the House resolution that is part of the Audit the Fed movement, now has 295 co-sponsors, assuring that it will pass the House. Uh, The equivalent in the Senate, Bill S-604, now has 28 co-sponsors, but the movement to get the Senate bill passed has only just begun, so look for that number to climb precipitously. And while we're talking about signs that we're winning and Ron Paul, well, for sign number 20 that we're winning, we should turn to this guy from that famous report back in episode number 23, Ron Paul and Philosophy of Liberty. I'm mad as hell, and we're getting to the point where people are not going to take it anymore. Right on, brother. Moving right along, number 21. No one's laughing at Peter Schiff anymore. Sign number 22. Three words. Campaign for liberty. Number 23. Grassroots organizations are stepping up efforts to get fluoride removed from the tap water in community after community. Number 24. More and more parents are refusing to give their kids the vaccines. Number 25, a German high court just ruled that national laws supersede any dictates from Brussels. Number 26, Sibel Edmonds has been ungagged. Number 27, leftists are beginning to see through the Obama puppet faster than they've seen through any of the other puppets. Number 28, Geithner is worried about the audit the Fed movement. Number 29, you can hear my voice right now which, of course, indicates that there is still some remnant of the free and open discourse that has made the Internet such an incredible tool for activism, and that relates right into number 30. Newspapers are dying left, right, and center. TV viewership is down, but the alternative media is exploding. And on that note, numbers 31 and 32 on our list come from James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com and Richard Andrew Grove, 9-11 whistleblower, former host of the 9-11 Synchronicity podcast and current mastermind behind TragedyAndHope.com, who recently collaborated on an incredible two-and-a-half-hour interview that is must-hear audio. So, of course, I'll include a link to that in today's documentation, and if you haven't yet done so, listen to it today. But let's listen to their ideas for signs that we are winning. So whatever number this one is, James, uh, the way we're winning is by all of us communicating by uh, Corbett in Japan, by Pilato in Oregon, and Grove out here in Connecticut. We are, you know, trying to put the word out in a healthy, non-fearful way. And that is, the, you know, that's one of the ways we're winning because we're showing up. We're willing to not put hate in front of us, and we're willing to just go from, hey, we're curious, trying to figure out what's going on here, because it's a survival game as far as I know, right? So, Absolutely. I, so I just wanted to say how inspired that I've been from the Corbett Report uh, podcast, through the articles, the videos lately, dude, are sick. Keep those up. And we're looking forward to featuring Corbett Report and MediaMonarchy.com through each and every episode and issue of Tragedy and Hope. Well, and I would say, too, that... I think what we're trying to do is essentially use, you know, the tools that that are available and that have been given to us to try and step up the game. And I think something that we try and do is do something with 
you know, for lack of a better term, high production values. Not like I'm trying to make something slick and pull the wool over your eyes, but the media, the mainstream media, is very slick. It's very timely. It's delivered in a perfect fashion. You know that 7 p.m. your news is going to begin. So if we can use some of those, you know, elements... I think it makes our work more accessible and more credible to people out there instead of it being, like we just said, some ugly website that has different fonts and colors and doesn't make any sense. And you look at it and think, this was put together by someone who's a little off. Sure. But it's not, it's not always the case. We're just not tech savvy. So no. I can truly uh, you know, admire and appreciate the, uh, the, the skill and the savvy that yourself and Mr. Corbett uh, basically you know, put out on a weekly basis with uh, you know, such amazing precision. And it's brought out in the right way, and I think it's the most useful and healthy uh, examples of media that are bringing news of this ilk out to the public. So I just wanted to say, you know, keep up the great work, and you guys have inspired me, uh, you know, more than I could say. Well, and I and I feel the same way. I was just about to say that, yeah, the, the videos that James that he's been putting out after he went on basically a little quick summer vacation. It's like he's back with the gusto, and the work that he does, and the work that you do makes me want to pick up my game and it's not in any kind of competitive way no, it's just yeah it's just, i look at it and say you're effectively communicating this information good job yeah it saves it saves each one of us thinks hey you just saved me some work when you did that you did a great job credibly presenting this now i don't have to i can use that as a tool and instead of trying to do it myself all the time i can say look here's this excellent podcast on this topic and hand it to someone as a component because they can consume that right and it's not so much about believing what I have to say or looking at me as a leader. It's about I have the experience to look at all these different books and these different producers of media and content and say, look, here's the ones who, in my opinion, are, are giving you as much as they can. Right? Their, their intention's there. Their integrity's there. Their consistency and perseverance and patience is there. And it doesn't seem to be driven by any ill motives or hate or fear or anything like that. So it's like... We have the ability to kind of, you know, be a tour guide of this theme park that we've been given the joke map to, you know. And as we create a better map together, then we're all just a little bit safer and have a lot more fun in the theme park, right? And that's one of the ways that we're winning. That's right. That's it. Corporate Report Radio in the closing moments of another week, a very interesting week on the broadcast with some interesting guests, though I certainly hope that you've enjoyed this week's broadcasts. And here we are tonight on this Friday night, and we've been going over signs that we are winning and that uh, we are having an effect once again. It's not to be naive about this or to believe that it will be uh, as easy to blow over the New World Order's House of Cards as simply blowing on a House of Cards. Of course, it is going to be much more difficult than that. It is a, a generational change. It's going to take a long time to build up the type of society that we want and to oppose that to the type of society that we're living in. 
And uh, it's not going to take a lot of uh, very, very intelligent and dedicated people working a very, very long time to really start to affect the change at a societal level that we really want to see. But nonetheless, it can and I think it must be done. Because otherwise, what is the alternative to lay lay down and roll over and to let the NDAA and all the other tyrannical legislation coming along just uh, just win and to just basically concede the power to the people who are trying to s- steal that power away from the people? Of course not. Of course there must be resistance. So that's something that the corporate report is very much de- dedicated to, and I have been trying to present various solutions in all of the work that we're doing. And uh, that might be something like, as uh, as Barbara Peterson was indicating earlier on the broadcast this week about farmwars.info and fighting to save the family farm, that might be something that you're able to do, that you're situated to do, that you might be able to help spread the word on that uh, those topics, or you might be able to implement them in your own life. It may be uh, open source software that uh, that fights against the, the type of tyrannical enslavement of ourselves through the technological control grid. It might be uh, it might be any number of things that uh, that might affect you on a personal level or that you personally are involved with uh, f- the fight against the fluoride in the water supply or whatever it may be. Um, but whatever your specialty is, whatever your area is, all I can say is that I hope you're giving it your all and that you are tuned into this uh, this alternative media and away from the, the corporate media that always and in all, t- all times wants to convince you that you are useless, you are weak, you are pathetic, you can't change anything, you're no good, you need to buy these products that are being advertised in order to be a good person or whatever it is that the corporate media is trying to shove down your throat. I think we all know how that works, and uh, and that's why they use those effects. That's why they try to teach people that they are so useless and pathetic. It's because in that state, people can be sold anything, even the most ridiculous tyranny. And as opposed to that, we have to build people up and let people know that they can and do have effects on this world and that all you have to do is step up and you can make a difference. And if there's anyone in this world who can prove that that is possible, it must be myself because here I am broadcasting my voice all around the world right now from my home in Japan. Never in the, never in a million years would I have ever guessed that I would have been a media host of any kind. Certainly not something I planned on, not something I ever trained for or was prepared to do. But once I saw there was a need to do it, I rolled up my sleeves and got into it. And if I can do this, trust me, absolutely anyone out there can do similar things and affect just as much change. So I certainly hope that people are taking that message to heart. We are winning. We are going to win this thing. It's going to be an uphill battle, but the uh, the struggle is what makes us human. We must absolutely take uh, that uh, that humanity into account and and just uh, express ourselves in whatever way we can and affect what change we can. On that highfalutin note, I'm going to leave you there. And we are finished with another week of broadcasts here on Corbett Report Radio. Another exciting week coming up. So once again, you can follow me at Corbett Report on Twitter. And please go to CorbettReport.com for all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of free media that is available there for your listening and viewing pleasure. On that note, thank you for tuning in, and see you next week.